0: Welcome one and all to the third part of Champions, our review of Norwich City's EFL Championship 2018-19 season. And it's the part where I'm still pretty sure uh, no one was fully believing just yet. Uh, I am Pink and Show and podcast host Michael Bailey. Hello there. Uh, And helping us through this five part football maze with his number compass is Stats Magician. It's a statistician pun. (laughs) I had to explain it Twitter's very own NCFC Numbers Steve Sanders hey Steve hello Um, thank you for the uh, wonderful (laughs) intro (laughs) another one by the way Uh, let's not lie this is the bit where the season was a bit stodgy
1: wasn't it Steve um well, I'm going to contest that. Is that is that what we're going to put on the trail? Is it uh, episode three, the stodgy one? The stodgy bit. Okay, yeah. allegedly. Um, I well, I don't want to go all hard sell on everyone, but I think we've got some pretty good games in this one. So so please stay tuned. <laughs> that's the way. Uh, now, just to keep you in the loop, uh, we've split the Canaries' historic title-winning
0: season into five chunks. Uh, we've got um, we are going to relive relive each game with a different guest, at a different venue, hear your views, the pick of Steve's stats, and suck up all that was good um, about Norwich's season as a they broke all the championship rules and part three finds us uh, where we were for half of this white knuckle ride of course carrow road what a place by the way some people getting to enjoy playing on the hallowed turf uh, and of course the only way that this could all be better would be to have a stellar guest and we have not disappointed by the way it's the voice of this norwich city vintage bbc radio norfolk commentator chris gorham
2: hello my man Michael good to see you I don't want to start with a correction but I think what you've got is a stellar part of the season and a stodgy guest
0: (laughs) (laughs) not at all because look at your jumper for starters you can't can't be stodgy in that jumper living in the past (laughs)
2: like all football supporters (laughs) yeah but it's like the
0: best World Cup ever wasn't
2: it I think that's what we, we all decided um how are you? Are you well? Enjoying your summer, Rich? Yeah, it's, it's it's great to be up here in my second home, the Carrow Road Gantry. This is the very view that we have when we're, we're commentating on some of the great moments that we've had at Carrow Road this season. And it, it's amazing to be in here. And what people might not realise is that whenever you come to Carrow Road, there is always a football match going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And I um, don't know who these, these people are, but they, they've obviously paid for the privilege to play on the hallowed turf at the end of the season. And there's some some good challenges going in. So yeah, yeah we, we just can't get enough football, can we? This is exactly <laughs> it. I love what you are probably
0: going to be distracted halfway through, but I, mean, I think they're having a fifth Minute drinks break, so you can't blame him for that. Uh, you have been home, you
2: don't live up here, do you? Um, it does feel like it sometimes, <laughs> but yeah, I have been home.
0: Um, now, this season uh, as a whole, your favorite to commentate on?
2: Yeah, I think I know there's a bit of a worry about recency bias, and it, if we're still riding high, aren't we on the crest of a wave? So it does, it definitely feels like the best season I've ever commentated on. I would say, from an Orange point of view, the only one that would come close would be when dear old Paul Lambert led Norwich City through the Championship at the first attempt and straight up. I think in terms of some of the moments we had in that season, that's the only one I can think of that I've been lucky enough to commentate on that's been comparable with just some of the dramatic moments and probably the unexpected nature of where we ended up at the end of it. But, yeah, a special season. And I'm not going to compare the two of them. I'm just lucky to have been there for both.
0: Yeah. here here, And probably not the last mention of Paul Lambert on this five <laughs> uh, podcast series, by the way. I
2: mean, Can you believe it?
0: But when we rocked up in uh, pre-season at Luton or wherever before it all can
2: you believe where it all ended up? No, I'm not going to come up with anything wise after the event and say, yeah, I saw all this coming. (laughs) There were signs in the first... I I absolutely didn't. I think, (laughs) um, you know, we started the season and even after the first five or six games, I think haven't got the I mean Steve will know better than me he's probably got the stats at his fingertips but mm-hmm. I think oh, he definitely definitely has. <laughs> he's clinging onto his laptop <laughs> yeah. as we speak <laughs> on I now. think if you go back to the start of September and you take into account the previous season as well I think Norwich had only won something like three out of 20 league games and it, it, it's just not the sort of form that suggested anything like what we had seen I, I thought they might get better as the season went along but I certainly and I thought the best we could hope for was maybe a late run Aston Villa style into the top six but to do what they've done it's, it's, it's been brilliant I'm t- I've tried to savour it and I've tried to enjoy it all the way along because I think you have to
0: Yeah I he, hear you absolutely Alright well um, let's get on with the main stuff then shall we um, What a place to start in this definitely not stodgy part of the season uh, Hull away goalless draw I, was, was it the only one the only goalless draw in the season I should really know a well
1: sure. bit of preparation there it was It was and it was the last time that we failed to score. in the league I believe Um, and the only time we failed to score away from home this season so it's basically it's that annoying game which every single stat I've done has gone back to it's like (laughs) (laughs) everything dates back to the whole game Um, but I'm not quite sure well it was one of those where we pushed and pushed and pushed had so many efforts on goal just couldn't quite break through it was Um, Moritz Leitner's first game out
0: with injury I think because he he, uh, picked up a knocker that Brazley kind of ended his season to a degree up at Swansea just before. Um, So Tom Tribal stepped in. He went on to have a very good season in the end, of course, but uh, he did have a
2: great chance, I remember, to to win that game. He did, but I think you'll agree with me, um, Michael, that actually when you watch a football team through the season actually quite often from specific games the football is the last thing that you remember and to me Hull it was just that wet and windy oh. awful night <laughs> and, and actually I mean yeah nil-nil draw and it wasn't the best game of football I've ever seen but I came away from, from, from the ground that night actually feeling very lucky to support Norwich City because we know There have been all sorts of behind-the-scenes issues at Hull over the years, and a lot of the fans there are unhappy with the way the club's being run. And it really felt like it. I remember getting to the ground, you know, only an hour and a half, two hours before kick-off. And when you do that here at Camera Road, there's already a bit of a buzz about the place. And when Rob Butler and I turned up at Hull we thought we might have gone to the wrong ground. There was no one around. It, it felt like, is there actually a championship match it's on here tonight? Really, it's but not no. funny, no. But it's no. not funny for Hull, no. but it makes you realise what you've got at Norwich, where every match feels like a massive occasion. That one, the, um, of course the wind and the rain didn't help, but, I, I, I'm, and, and yes, I, I, the fact it was nil-nil does lead into your stodgy part of the season suggestion, but wait until you uh, <laughs> see what we've got coming up. It's yeah. it. i Yeah, but I would say that one thing that, I don't think Norwich have been given enough credit for this season and yes there's been Pukki's goals, Buendia, fantastic. The fact they went through a whole championship season and only lost twice away from home, I don't think enough has been made of that. Bearing in mind Norwich traditionally away from home, the record hasn't been great, we've often travelled more in hope than expectation, I think to get through a season in this division and only lose two away games. To, to me, that is among the best things they did this yeah, season. 100%. And I'd and say the,
0: probably the, the points that they picked up in games that yeah. they could quite easily have lost. This was one of them, of course. whole uh, were actually pretty decent, and I think they showed over the course of the season what they had a, a, about them. I, I, I think I'm still drying out from getting to the ground <laughs> that day, to be honest. But they, yeah, I remember the, the razzmatazz of the light show with the floodlights, which we haven't had at Carrow Road yet. I'm sure it's going to come at one point. All oh, the big noise, the, the big screen. 10,000 people that did actually turn up. And I don't know how many of them were there in protest but you're like, it's gonna take a bit more to get to get them going, going here. Um, Do we
1: don't mess around with the floodlights here. I mean, and I we'll get <laughs> onto that later. But more oh, on that later. <laughs>
0: uh, yes, indeed. Uh, well, let's move it on to uh, Rotherham because Norwich we're back here at Car Road after after the trip to Hull. Uh, still, still wet. Um, no, game Norwich 1-3-1 one, one. we had a lot of chat about Paul Warren of course beforehand a Nor- Norfolk boy big Norwich fan and he obviously wanted to see his side do well but probably not at the expense of his, his Rotherham aside. side and they they put up a good fight they obviously went on to have a pretty wretched season of it in the end especially away from
1: home but this one was all about the kids really wasn't it Steve? Yeah it was um, I'll reel some off for you um, first time in the league since uh, October 2009 that two Norwich City Academy graduates scored that was oh. Chris Martin and Jamie Curiton that day and first time also since October 2009 that one Norwich City Academy graduate set up another and that was Corey Smith to Chris Martin. So this was... It's got some camp- spreadsheets, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so this was Cantwell to Aarons for the second goal and that was a key goal. 20 minutes to go. Rotherham, I th- I thought were pretty impressive, kind of belying of where they were in the league um, at that point and, well, where they ended up finishing. Um, I thought Warren had them set up well. Um... And, and we're going to talk a bit more about Campwell, but he had a great game and we did enough to get over the line but it wasn't easy no indeed and I, I think the thing about Paul Warren coming up against his boyhood club
0: is he kept asking his players to give him give him one big performance because it was honestly um, you know would be, would be
2: good for him and it tended to work they, they did alright against him yeah so and you, you think about so many pivotal moments during a season don't you and Rotherham were one up and I seem to remember them having a shot from distance that hit the inside of the post yes. as well to go 2-0 up in that game. And had that have gone in, well, I'm sure Norwich would still have found a way to come back. But, <laughs> but at, at the time, we weren't quite used to these comebacks. Mm. And I think those sort of games, when you have a, a struggling team who are giving it their all on your home ground, how often have we seen Norwich troop off here drawing 1-1 and, or, or you know, even losing 1-0 from time to time? And you go away feeling really frustrated. The fact they got the job done that day, having been 1-0 down for quite a long time, um, was a, an, another one of those afternoons where yeah in the grand scheme of things you don't look back and go remember that 3-1 win over Rotherham but at the time you sort of thought hello there's, there's something going on here yeah. that, you know, they, they did win that game by two clear goals in the end
0: and one of the ones that they would have almost certainly tripped up in the season before
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely um, they, they probably wouldn't have won that game uh, they would have let Rotherham frustrate them Um another shout out I want for this game is the one of the most bizarre substitutions I've, I think any of us have probably seen at Norwich City uh, Jordan Rhodes coming on for Jamal Lewis in the 87th minute with us 3-1 up which I think <laughs> I think was you guys will know better than me that was a mistake right that was supposed to be Pookie
2: oh, they, oh, yes. they they looked yeah, pretty irate right.
1: on the bench if yeah. I remember good right good memory it was yeah, they
2: wrote, yeah.
0: The, the handwriting made it look like 12 when it was yeah. 22 uh, awesome. Norwich had a great season with substitutions didn't they but <laughs> I'm not going to go into that uh, but you did want to talk about Todd yeah. Cantwell and, and we can you know touch a bit more expansively on his season as a whole because he obviously comes with people all wanting him to do well he's a proper homeboy and had showed some really good moments I guess in any normal season
1: we'd be raving about Todd Campbell's progress exactly that I think we're holding everyone to such a high standard now um, and I know he got a bit of stick when he came back in the team when we had that um, eight games where the team was unchanged and he came in for Emmy and that was tough he's actually the first this game He was the first Norfolk-born Norwich City scorer since uh, Ryan Jarvis, also against Rotherham, September 2006. Is that one uh, of the Rotherham games you can't remember, Chris? (laughs) Probably, yeah. (laughs) That was League Cup, that one, wasn't it? That was League Cup, yes. I do remember that one. But I think we need to remember how rare it is that something like this happens where we get a local lad break into the team, and not just any team, this team. So I think he's had a fantastic season, personally well said indeed
0: uh, let's move on to um, another game here against a, another struggling side in truth one that would go on to have a pretty wretched <laughs> season and, and end up in all sorts of of um, trouble and you know it was a game that's happened occasionally you know Norwich 2-0 up and cruising and then we, we're at 2-2 and we don't really realise how it happens and then of Pukki does the business and, and um, shows why he was too good for the championship level which is what
2: I decided yeah um, th- th- that win over Bolton I think was another one of those where we, we had that great roar and the emotion after the Millwall game where they have done something similar. This one, I just remember people almost turning to each other and laughing afterwards, <laughs> and a they've done it again. Yeah. Once again, they found a way. And I, I think having been 2-0 up against a, a Bolton side who, as you've said, had all sorts of problems, I think it would have been a, a real travesty had they not won that game. And it, it goes back to the point we made about the Rotherham game, that they, they, these are games that Norwich have chucked away points in before. So to see them dig out yet another late winner, I think, again... It, almost week by week you can feel the levels of belief and confidence amongst the fans as much as the, the players ratcheting up and I think people always like to talk about the business end of the season where you get the job done but I think what we're focusing on here is the business middle where <laughs> yeah. things happen that by the end of the season you've often forgotten about but when you look back and you look at what was going on at the time this run of games I think it meant so much in terms of what it propelled Norwich onto next This is where you do the hard work yeah. I suppose and, and, and they don't they get lot, the credit for it I know it's a way but it's pretty much I think it's what a year a year earlier, they'd lost at Bolton. Yeah. So that, yeah. that that shows again how how easily these things can change. Oh, that was a hideous game. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that one up.
0: Uh, team of Pukis winning goal. A, brilliant from Jordan Rose to come on and make himself awkward. A unsung hero, really, in terms of Jordan's impact on the season. But it was kind of a goal of sheer will, I always think, from Pukki. He just ran onto it, and he just hit it, and then he just celebrated, and it was just like, we're just going to make this happen.
1: Yeah, I think it was one of those, you just put your foot through it. Maybe I'm doing him a disservice here, but it felt like you just put your foot through it and um, hope that it lands in the corner, and it did. Um... Yeah, second player since 1990 to score two injury time winners for Norwich City. The other being, I'm enjoying testing Chris here, so I'm going to... Since 1990? Yeah, only one player has scored more than one injury injury time time winner. winner. And I'll give you a um, clue. But but it, but in that season you were referring to... Uh, I was thinking got, it wasn't guess, Grant Holt, was it? It's Grant. now. Oh. Yeah. Got three. I can remember him getting one. Yeah. Winning yeah. Against <laughs> Reading. Um, yeah. yeah, I couldn't tell you what the other ones were, <laughs> but <yeah. laughs> that was one of them. Um, yeah, and, and the, the start of our new back four as well. Uh, this was the back four pretty much for the rest of the season. Um, didn't have maybe the best opening game together, um, but I think they got better as it went on. Someone you know. got
2: injured in the warm-up, didn't yeah.
0: yeah. so they? Yeah, I think Tim got injured yeah, in the warm-up yeah, for this yeah, one. Yeah. And this was, that, that,
1: the, yes, that's right. And then yeah. Godfrey came in. Um, and then, yeah, had that had that incredible run for the rest of the year. I mean, something like that happening because someone got injured in the warm-up does <laughs> sort of... You're at the whim of so
0: much, yeah. aren't you? So often yeah, yeah. in football, it's, it's, it's so true. I, I mean, you mentioned about people laughing at this. I, I honestly thought in sort of 80 to 89 minutes this ain't happening it's already happened this season it's not going to happen again you sort of shake your head and whichever but uh, there was a goal in this stop from Marco Stieperman we haven't had a chance to reflect on on Marco properly maybe so far so um, what an unsung hero born to score goals it's not a joke anymore that's Marco's word we're not allowed to joke about it anymore playing as a number 10 which of course he was never going to do the season before because he was playing left back and then he was injured so arguably he might have been one of the ones that have let go in the summer if yeah, circumstances have proven
2: certainly one of the players we didn't expect to have the impact that he did this season and I think there's a, there's a whole collection of Norwich City players this year and he's probably chief amongst them who if he'd done what he'd done in any other season would have been a sure in for player of the year yeah, you think yeah. if he'd done that last season well I suppose James Madison but there are seasons where we've been scrabbling around for a player of the year there have been seasons where we've given it to Wes Houlihan out of sentimentality because <laughs> no one's really deserved it no one's really stood out whereas Marco Stephen wasn't even in the top three this year and yet the influence he had the importance of his role even if it's difficult to explain to people who haven't seen him what he does it's difficult to explain it but it's so effective his energy it's brilliant and his goal celebration
1: (laughs) yeah yeah, that too Um, it's difficult to explain isn't it he's the most unorthodox number 10 I've ever seen us have Um, he only started one game in midfield before this season at Villa at Villa yeah. yeah everything else was I bad. wanted to see more of it to be honest yeah, yeah. So, and then finally we did and again kind of stumbled upon it I guess but it worked so why not stick with it um, yeah maybe maybe the unsung hero of that front four um, him and Puki combined for the most goals this season uh, Stephen Stie- uh, setting Puki up for four and two the other way around um, and I think that's been key Stephen so often will turn on the ball and he will look up and he will try and pick out Timu um, and that's worked so many times I'm thinking of the bolt and the way game that kind of thing um, so yeah I know we're not going to talk about next season but um, <laughs> it, it, maybe that'll be something to look out for again next year
0: I, I can't remember if I've mentioned it already but the, the, when he got the go at Cardiff in the Cup um, it was just the way he was sort of breaking out, breaking up counters and winning the ball back I was like oh hang on I haven't seen that yeah. before and I think that was a really useful asset for Norwich to take advantage of as they went forward Um now Norwich went to a very difficult place after this, and this was a cracking game, actually, and a real test at Bristol City. Norwich um, led through a wonderful goal from Marco Uh and then the game gets turned around on its head. Bristol City were in great form, they were proper challenging, and they did sustain that for most of the season this time around. Um, and it kind of showed how... They showed how t- tough it is, really, because Bristol have spent money, they've got a fantastic ground, they've really backed themselves, and you know Norwich whistle up and obviously do the business. But that was a proper tough old after- yeah. evening, that one. Yeah,
2: and I think we've got a whole run of games that we're going to talk about now, where the way you've just described Bristol City away, uh, you know, we're going to talk about them playing at Blackburn, we're going to talk about them playing at Brentford as well, over this spell of the season. And, and all of those games, I think, were against teams who at times during the season had really good runs and you sort of worried a little bit about Norwich particularly with this um, you know new look back four and players you hadn't really seen play together this is where to me this part of the season is where you really really stop worrying about the young players you know at the start of the season Max Aaron's, Jamal Lewis later when Ben Godfrey came in you, you had the idea because of the way young players are usually managed that they'd probably get a bit of a go and then they might need a rest at some point but it's the way they came through this run of fixtures and of course Aaron's got the equaliser of mm. Bristol City just moments after being switched to left wing back yeah. mm-hmm. you know and, and it, it's this run of games where I stopped worrying about them I would say I, I stopped expecting Daniel Farker to leave one of them out because you you thought they're, they, they're going to be okay yeah. And Daniel made such a, as you've touched on, Daniel had a real impact on this, didn't he? Because um,
0: actually, I remember the way Bristol City was set up, they were doing a job on Norwich. They knew where to press them and to force them into mistakes. It was working really well. And as I say, within a few minutes of switching to a, to a yeah. sort of three back three, and also Aaron switching from one side to the other, and then getting on the end of a cross, remarkable. I think it was Sanel
1: Hernandez's yeah, cross yeah. who'd just come on and was then playing right wing back. <laughs> I mean, you're like, well, that works, didn't yeah. it? It was before I'd even really noticed. I was like, oh, that was Hernandez who yeah. crossed in, <laughs> and Aaron's who had it. So yeah, um, yeah, Chris alluded to it, and that was the exact. Point I was going to make, and we saw it a lot after that game. But I think that was the first time we really noticed it because of the way the goal came about. And you're absolutely right, Bristol City were, were doing pretty well at the start of the second half. They really had us on the rack a little bit. Um O'Dowda scored, didn't he? And I think they could have got another one, um, but some good defending by Zimmerman. Really good goals, you know? Yeah, yeah, and they looked a very, very good side. Maybe I'm lucky not to get top six, but Chris mentioned it before uh, with the whole game. It was digging in and getting a point. You know, there were a lot of games where we could have fallen, we could have fallen down but managed to pick ourselves up and again by the end if had the game gone on another five minutes you wouldn't have backed us against us winning
2: it That was a weird goal to commentate on the Max Aaron's goal because when you're commentating you're so used to Expecting certain players to come from certain yeah. positions, yeah. and when the manager has made a, a, such a radical formation change just before a goal, you, you sort of stop yourself and think, Well, what is he doing there? <laughs> you know, that can't have been Max Ahrens on the left hand side, but it, it was, and it was a good, a good goal. It's a good goal
0: from a phenomenal player. <laughs> a more, I, you must have like you know, reams like, of them. He's been an
1: absolute joy for this season. <laughs> <laughs> all, all I need to do is say he's been the youngest since. Um, <laughs> he's the first Norway City player born in the 21st century to play for us, so which makes me feel incredibly old. Um, West life at number one when he was born for any of you um, <laughs> pop fans out there he wouldn't, only, he wouldn't know this would he? he? no no that was long before long <laughs> oh my god he wouldn't oh even know god. what that was that, that precedes that sweater may precede Max Aaron's by 10 years wow. um, he's the youngest ever Norwich City player to start 40 consecutive league games uh, and the second ever 18 year old to start 20 consecutive league games after Dale Gordon best ever start to a Norwich City career in the 21st century over the first 20 matches won 15 of his first 20 games think of that never played a professional game and won 15 of his first 20 20. unbelievable um, and he's played every minute of the last 38 league matches and the only outfield player to do that since 2006 other than him is Ross Martin no wonder you're wiping your brow Steve yep and breathe just phenomenal his level of consistency all
0: season was a thing for me young player comes in you expect to dip not one. I mean, you could probably count on one hand the number of actual mistakes he made all season.
2: You're right. And I think when you look at what Norwich did over the summer as well, where they, they already had Ivo Pinto at the club. They brought in Felix Paslak and Ben Marshall, mm. who we saw at the start of the season, they, they saw playing in that position. So in August, when the season kicked off, you could have said Max Ahrens was the fourth choice right back, that there were three ahead of him in the queue. And that shows probably that a lot of the people at the club didn't realise quite how good he could be and clearly didn't expect him to have the season that he had but one thing that's been great about Daniel Farker and, and the club this year is that, that they haven't stuck resolutely to the plan that they made at the start of the season mm-hmm. they've been able to look at something and think hang on we've got to do something with this lad and to give him his I know this goes way back but to give him his his first league start in an East Anglian derby yeah. what a brave move from Daniel Farker away from home not many managers at would have done back. that yeah, yeah <laughs> not, not many managers would have done that he did and was Rewarded for it for the next forty odd games, yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, so and, brilliant. And yeah.
1: also, just to follow up on the point Chris made earlier about Stepenen, he didn't even finish in the top three in Player of the Season, which is just unthinkable for a young player to come in and do as he's done, and still yeah. three people, you know, three people judged by the fans to be better yeah. than
2: him. He's on my list of players that, in any other season, would have been Player yes, of the Year. exactly. He's <laughs> and was
1: the EFL's Young Player of the Year across yes.
0: all three. English Football League divisions phenomenal Um, I think it's just probably a shame at the moment England's got such a plethora of talented right backs Mm. but you know maybe that's one for next season we'll we'll work work through it next up was a lovely trip to Blackburn Um, you know what a joy! Uh, it was freezing cold, it was just before Christmas, it was a pretty stinker of a game. Morris Lightner got kicked off the park, um, and Blackburn sort of carried that theme through most players um, uh, as, as they went along. Uh, nothing really, what we were perhaps, not ex- expecting, but um, the Lime Kit it was uh, another successful game for the Lime Kit, and Team of O'Pookie popping up with a winner, and again. Yeah. Don't, I don't remember anything else about it, Chris. Which is the point, isn't it? No, again,
2: I, I remember. Again, this is the one where jog my memory. Where Ben Godfrey was in the starting lineup yeah. again, and I think Closer was back fit and may have been on the bench for that game. But certainly they had yeah. they had options, and this is where you started to think, "Well, Blackburn are going quite well. Tony Mowbray's got them well organised. This might be a game where you might bring back a Grant Hanley or a, or a Tim Closer. I think Hanley certainly was back among the first team squad, and Daniel Farker didn't, and Ben Godfrey played at centre back. And Blackburn, particularly at the start of the second half, as I remember it, really piled the pressure on. And Norwich withstood it, and not only withstood it, and you're thinking even halfway through the second half, you're thinking this would be a good point. They went and won it. And again, that's why I'm grouping all these away games together. It was a result that you maybe didn't expect, but said so much about what this team was doing right in terms of its spirit and, and in terms of the impact those young players were having.
0: And Blackburn's home form was excellent. The yeah. newly
1: promoted side but they were really doing a, a great job and Tony Mowbray yeah. did a good did good job all season. Actually. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about statement wins and this was one of them. I think it, maybe they'd not done quite so well since then but at that time it was an, a really, really impressive win. Um, and the goal that you mentioned, um, I just looking back at the highlights, Chris said, how many times have Norwich City done that this season? Those were words after the goal went in and it was like a signature Norwich City goal. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly how I felt and just to add credence to the point that Chris was making about the youth in the side it was the youngest starting line that we played in the league that season, um, last season uh, Leitner came in for Vranchic. Um and so yeah, youngest team and they kind of ground out that result at a place where you wouldn't expect them to um, and also this put them at the halfway point this season so they'd reached it averaging more than two points a game given that two points for a win since 1981 uh, sorry, three points for a win came in in 1981 um, but it is the first time they've ever done that, so, yeah.
0: Because uh, I remember Norwich had, had a good run of being uh, top, hadn't they, yeah. until, I think it was probably until Bristol City, I wonder if that was the weekend that Leeds overtook them again, but they didn't finish, they didn't finish the first half top, or did they finish the first half top? Yeah, we were second, yeah. Okay, right. That so was right, thank goodness. you right. Well checked. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's all we need to see about Blackburn. What a first half of the season. Hurrah. Merry uh, Christmas. Merry Christmas. Well, yeah. exactly Merry Christmas. Well done, Chris. It's almost like you're a professional. Um, because we went to Boxing Day, double header, of course, over Christmas. Uh, the last two home games, of course, of of, the, uh, of 2018, too. Uh, they were quite dull,
1: weren't
2: they? <laughs> stodgy. 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 All yeah. right. This is why we won't have stodgy. This, no, is, where, have stodgy. this is where Steve and I get our own back in terms of the stodgy. Yeah. Because that, those, what was it, three or four days over Christmas? Nottingham Forest here. 3 all from 3 0 down with however many minutes it was. Even to go. now,
0: I don't, still don't know how <laughs> they did it. And I mean, they're talking about the Bolton game going,
2: well, oh, I don't think they'll do it. 3 0 no, down one, yeah. with. What thirteen I, minutes to go? I think I probably said in commentary words to the effect of, "Look, they've come back from some impossible situations <laughs> this year, but this is now three 0 It's not going to happen today, everyone. You can go and <laughs> go and finish off your chocolates and mince pies off the off the, off yeah, the Christmas yeah. table because this one's done. Got places to be, and then <laughs> they go and pull they go and pull the most extraordinary comeback out of the bag, and then. It, I mean we've said all the way along haven't we at what point did you start to believe well it, it, it was almost every week wasn't it yeah. you're thinking oh hang on
0: I mean Anel Hernandez got a brace didn't he uh, Tim Close's dummy for the equaliser <laughs> phenomenal those last two goals were really late on I can't remember the
1: exact minutes Gone, Steve help well, me out 98th minute oh. so that Hernandez one was the latest one that we wow. scored this season so he got the earliest and the latest this season the earliest being anyone Ipswich, Ipswich. correct, Ipswich, correct. It? Yeah, yes yeah. that was a spoiler alert <laughs> <like that>. not <laughs> prepped um Another thing about that, that goal was uh, the Forest sub Gil Diaz um, having a swipe at it and completely missing his yes. clearance. Because yeah, yeah. uh, I was just watching it back and I'd completely forgotten about that and thinking, on another day, had he got that right, it's probably up the other end of the pitch and that's full time. But it was just one of those, it's again, one of those seasons where everything seems to go right at the right time for them. And, yeah, the pass from Godfrey, the dummy from Closier and the finish from Hernandez. Um, another thing just to say, they had 27 shots on goal. And they've only better that once in the last five years. So it was just, the whole game really was a bit of an onslaught. And the 3 0 would have been unjust. But the only game where they've had more shots on goal than that was the 7 1 against Reading in the last five years. So they deserve the point.
0: And again, we spend all season analysing these games after the event quite, you know, forensically. Can't remember any of the Forest goals. <laughs> no idea about the defending. No, There's probably loads of mistakes.
2: I, yeah, I was, it was only the other day I was looking back at, through the season. Um, I, I couldn't have told you. Matt Cash scored twice for Forest. Yes. I, I couldn't have told I, you. I love Matt Cash. Yeah, I couldn't have player. told you. But that was, that, was what, that was a rare Max Aaron's error wasn't it the first yes, goal well, just before is. half time and we found one yeah and, and again it was another one where you thought alright he's now really messed up for a goal what, mm. what happens now and he wasn't bothered was he
0: I mean the Sky the Sky, <laughs> the Sky uh, no Soccer Saturday the Sky Sports Soccer Saturday coverage with Bianca Westwood here at Carrow Road is iconic I, I think that will go down in history it's just pheno- phenomenal well, enjoyment
1: only game I missed at home this season gutted gutted Christmas you know family and all that but uh, yeah I was, I was watching back it
0: doesn't, it doesn't beat Dave Freezer my pink and colleague uh, missing Millwall uh, <laughs> at home <laughs> I think that still it, yeah, stinks for him but he got to see the rest don't worry he got to see the rest uh, well I think that was one of the moments of the season I think we can all say that mm-hmm. but the question of course for you guys is what was your moment of the season so let's catch some of those from Twitter
3: Sue Reed says 27th of April the night we were promoted and my 7 year old granddaughter a newly fledged canary was there to see it Jamie Sellers has chosen Boxing Day versus Forest. It was my birthday and we had both families over. 3-0 down with 15 minutes to play. Scenes. Absolute scenes. Hernandez, it's 3-3. Rob Hooper says, small for me, but the game v Hull and that flick from Wendy just summed up the confidence and quality we were playing with. And at that moment, I knew this team were winning this league. Hashtag OTBC. Dave Clark has chosen Millwall at home. From winning to throwing it away to winning again in the space of 15 minutes showed the character and quality of our team. David McKenzie says, got to be the Blackburn game for me. Mario's goal and the absolute scenes at the final whistle. I don't mind admitting I shed a tear and to be able to share that with two of my sons and daughter-in-law will live with me forever. Liam Soans has gone for Hernandez versus Forrest for 3-3 because I was right behind it and went absolutely mental. Nick Starling has chosen Millwall at home. I was lucky enough to be in the players' lounge post-match. The players were still buzzing and to see their joy was brilliant. So that wasn't enough for Carrow Road. Uh, We then
0: got rather an epic, only this time it wasn't an epic that actually Norwich finished on the right... Uh, um, side of I have a theory about this game and what happened afterwards <laughs> I have to say but um, Norwich of course playing Derby the last home game of 2018 they lost it 4-3 again I don't really know how they lost it but I guess the, the floodlights had something to do with it
2: yeah that, I mean in an extraordinary season this was just another moment that you, you almost forget about until someone reminds you what about that day when the floodlights went out and the fact that it happened just as Timu Puki put us 3-2 up on the, uh, to I, the was, second yeah it was we, incredible th- yeah. you can
0: see the pictures now the, the light blue as he took his shot I'm I, um, yeah
2: it, it was in in some ways the longest 20-25 minutes of radio of the whole season followed <laughs> after that while we tried to work out Phil, what was Phil, going Phil, on Phil. <laughs> yeah, Phil was there yeah. and Rob as well <laughs> it was uh, yeah it was it, uh, it was an incredible afternoon and it, it was almost one that you oh my god, you you were across that Norwich had lost it, but you almost didn't mind losing because it was just absolutely chaotic. Mm. And you knew that you'd come away from that game, and that, would, that wouldn't ever go down as the day Norwich lost to Derby, it would go down as the day the floodlights went out at Camera Road. And that, that's how we all remembered it. And I, I, I think what stood out for me in that game was how well Norwich started it. And uh, you know, Frank Lampard had picked a, a slightly different Derby side to what we'd expected and looked as if he'd really come to attack Norwich. And the first 20 25 minutes, it, they were outplayed, they were Norwich, horrible, Norwich, Norwich were all over yeah. them. But they, they did something they did a little bit too often this season. They let another team back into it. And I think you know, Norwich actually had one of the worst home defensive records in the division this year, which is unbelievable considering everything they did. Um, but they got themselves in a winning position. And it, all very well saying it, but had the lights not gone out, I think they would have won the game.
0: Because they went out with, what, 10 minutes to go, wasn't it? I think yeah. it was at 80. Cookie's goal was
1: quite late. Well, Don't worry about it, checking. It was it roughly then. It, it was certainly last 10. Yeah. Um and yeah I mean I know I, th- I know Pookie said after the game i are not using it as an excuse and you but. you can't really but yeah I, you can't help but feel it had some effect because Fr- Lampard was able to get his players back in made um, a, a substitution made a substitution Daniel. really worked yeah, well, yeah. clearly um, <laughs> uh, and and yeah obviously they got the win and um. I, 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 am I thinking of the right game where Jordan wrote it at the bar right at the end as well? You are, yes, I think you are. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, it could, have, it, could have gone so, it could have been another Forest moment. It could yeah. have gone so differently. Um, it was the first time that Norwich played back-to-back uh, games with both teams scoring three or more goals since September's 1965. So you're here. I'm not going to use the S word. I'm not going to use the S word, but yeah. Um, it's dodgy. <laughs> yeah, that, that S word. Um, and uh, Derby, the only team that Farker has managed in both against in both seasons and we've not beaten so four games against them we've not beaten them so bit of can they be a bogey team after four games I don't know yeah <laughs> I'd
0: definitely count that as a run I'd write all about that don't worry um, it was also I mean remarkably Norwich's last home defeat in the league all season, which you, you, I mean, you'd have taken that
2: at the time, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, you, you imagine standing on Carabridge afterwards and saying to people, "Don't worry, we won't lose again at home this season, <laughs> yeah. apart from the FA Cup," yeah. and everyone would have gone, "What?" You know, you and the same as if you stood on Carabridge after the Leeds game way back in August and said, "Don't worry, we'll <laughs> finish 11 points above them and top of the table." I'm sure someone did yeah. somewhere. I mean, I've, I, we, of course, like you are, we've been going back through a lot of our archive from the season and. I made myself laugh listening back to the interview I did with Daniel Farker after that Leeds game in August when I I asked him a question along the lines of, does that prove how far away you are from the top teams in this division? (laughs) I wish we didn't keep all this
1: stuff.
0: (laughs) 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 We've all been there, don't worry. All in the last 12 months
2: as well, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. yeah I mean it's remarkable as well to think that that last defeat came you know, via the floodlights going out um, the substitution didn't work my theory is that off, from that moment onwards Daniel got a little bit cagey with his substitutions because he was just like oh and I, I think that might be might well, be the trade the lights, Mike, well again. yeah well who knows anything <laughs> could happen Chris anything let's not make them until the last minute or injury time whichever um, great stuff were there any more stats about
1: goals that you wanted to throw in, Steve? Yeah, well, just to add to the uh, slightly mental one that I just gave about uh, the three three losses um, and ver- various various goal scoring records clearly broken this year. Most goals ever in the top two tiers of English football. Um, most in a season full stops since 1953. Um, With the highest scoring team in the Championship from open play since 2006, so if you discount penalties, which obviously we'll talk about them at another time, but they weren't so great. Um, scored in 43 out of 46 games and um, we scored in the second half of 39 out of 46 games there only 7 games we didn't score in the second half That's Ridiculous Ridiculous That's a yeah. co- Common, yeah. current, common yeah.
0: word usage
1: there uh, We have one more game for
0: you in this segment in terms of the championship anyway probably one of the well I don't know maybe we keep repeating ourselves one of the most priceless points since you know the last one um, Brentford away was on New Year's Day um, obviously Griffin Park would be the scene of some excellent drama for Norwich City's benefit later on in the season Um but Norwich weren't very good, yet they didn't lose the game. Brentford were pretty pretty damn good, to be honest. They didn't win the game. Tim Krull came up with two really good saves and for a man who got a bit of stick here and there um, really key game where you felt he'd won that point for Norwich
2: yeah and you know, t- Tim Closer coming up with with the goal as well from uh, from a corner yeah. late in the game you know, cool, that the, was a scrappy the, goal wasn't it yeah <laughs> it was the, the, I, I will allow you the S word for that one yes. <laughs> it was uh, it? yeah it, uh, but again you, you, you got back to the car after the game thinking I'm happy with that uh, for a lot of that game I thought it's not happening for us today um, I remember that game particularly because Daniel Farker, one of the great things about Daniel Farker among the many has been that his manner and the way he's spoken to us and the way he's conducted himself has not been any different between the season when they weren't doing so well and they finished 14th and the season that they were top of the table. So when he's different, when he comes out and he's cross, you remember it, mm. and it only happened twice this season, that was one of them. Yeah. where you, I thought Norwich had t- done quite well to get a point and he came out and he was furious with the referee after that game and it was one of the, those bits where you're doing a post-match interview and usually these interviews take on the the, the sort of pattern that you expect them to, that he, he would have said oh we did well to come back for a point, but he was absolutely furious about the referee over a disallowed goal, that um, I don't remember being that, feeling was that contentious at the time, and the only other time was Strangely, after the two all with Sheffield yeah, Wednesday here, saying. when he was, when he Livid. he was li- even though Van had scored that late goal, he was the not quite the calmest man in the ground, but he was the angriest man <laughs> in the ground. And and the, those two post match interviews stand out because it was just so on unfarca. Yes. Rest of the time, you know, yeah. it, just the same. Lovely, but, between the same. Yeah. you? Exactly <laughs> the same.
1: How about Tim Crawl uh, I mean, I think this was the game which may have changed a lot of people 's minds about him um it 's funny how you know goalkeepers can can play particularly well or not do a, a great deal wrong and then a couple of saves does change people 's minds That one in particular I think was kind of i 'm not sure it was it maybe mopa He did I the guess, flick yeah. header mm-hmm. and i don't i don 't know how he kept that out i mean that that was save of the season for me um and generally speaking cool. yeah, <laughs> i 'm going in there now yeah, 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 yeah. i 'm going in there now um and I think generally speaking you you kind of need that, that solid goalkeeping figure, I'm just looking at the the last five times we've been promoted to the Premier League and four of those we've had a goalkeeper that's played in every single match, all the 46 games and the other one uh, Ruddy missed one game and Ruddy came in for him, so it, it does show how important it is to have that kind of stability at the back um, and then generally speaking um, I know a lot of people have kind of been comparing him to Gun. i have had a little look at what between uh, Krill, Gunn and Ruddy and how they've all done um, Ruddy conceded the fewest so he's got that tick mark um, Angus made the most saves across the season obviously they've all played four to six games all the same number of minutes but save percentage um, and the number of passes completed Krill's on top mm. so I think in terms of what Farker wants him to do obviously keep the ball out of the net um, and make those passes he's doing okay the only black mark against him is errors leading to goals which is a who scored metric but Gunn had one last season and cruel uh, measured four this season so
2: maybe that's why the fans are still slightly unsure Well, I, I would say Tim Krull's biggest mistake this season was that he saved his best performances for away games. And mm. some, some of the games where yes, you think yes. about him saving points for us at Brentford, um, that there was one towards the end of the season as well. And I, well I was going to say, my was.
0: save of the season was from Leon Clark at Wigan when he came out. That was outstanding. Now, yeah.
2: I, I think the trouble when you do that, and if you think back to the errors leading to goals, mm. I dare say most of them were here at Carrow Road. I think three of them were, yeah. yeah. And, and the, the trouble then is 26,000 people see that. Mm. And they go away thinking, oh, Tim Krull's cost us a goal. You only get two or three thousand. No, we're going okay, five thousand, but you only get, you know, one thousand, two thousand, three thousand. See those saves away from home. And they're quite often left out of the montages afterwards, mm. um, particularly when you're not in the Premier League. The highlights you get on TV in the evening, they don't have time to feature a lot of the saves. So if, if Tim Krull made one mistake this season, it was being better away from home. He <laughs> should've, should've, if he'd made those saves here, people would have a completely different opinion and, of him and the other thing just to
1: say quickly about those mistakes is that in three of those games we actually won the only one that we didn't was that West Brom game which was the first home game and like you say that's the first chance people get to see yeah. him Twenty six. set people. the tone didn't it
0: yeah do you remember which games they were uh,
1: West Brom he says looking down <laughs> uh, West, West, West Brom at home was one um, and we have got Millwall at home which would have been that's yep, it, yep. Yep. Swansea away when he spilt it and Daniel yeah. James nicked in just before half time and then the other one I've got is Hull at home which I think was a poor clearance was, possibly
2: yeah. and yeah I, I think that's it I think uh, and uh, as, as we've discussed before I'm sure that actually part of his job is to get Norwich playing and when, you, when you're when you going to do that it, you are leaving yourself open to mistakes so it, it was always going to happen but I I, I I think he may have been a bit harshly treated by some fans well, this year.
0: All I'll say, and I only tweaked it when we were talking to him after all of this was done, and he said, you know, I started the season, I had two pre-season friendlies, I had no pre-season, and then I was playing championship football. And if you look at the games against West Brom, Leeds early in the season, he was rusty. And yeah. you could see that, you could see that. So I think we've maybe yeah. given the benefit yeah, of the no, doubt. D-
2: one final point. I'll make, now, anyway. yeah, I'll, I'll make it quick as well, is that you know, Daniel Farker didn't, particularly respect reputations this season if, if he didn't think Grant Hanley or Tim Closer or Ivo Pinto deserved to be in the team and he thought somebody else should come in that happened yeah. he never made that decision with Tim no, Krul really
0: and as good a character as Norwich had in that dressing yeah. room this season um, after the uh, draw at Brentford Norwich played their only one and only FA Cup game it was down here against Portsmouth, the League One leaders. Portsmouth won in injury time, 1-0. Grant Hanley got sent off. That was pretty much the end of his season. Um, and a bit, you know, unfortunate because he wanted to make a point, I'm sure, and improve a point and got caught out. Not a lot he could do about it. At least, he's, at least Grant still got to lift the trophy at the end of it. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> so fair play. Uh, Portsmouth... We won't talk about their season. We don't need to. It's all right. Um, anyone else want to say anything else about the FA Cup this season?
2: Um, I, the only thing I'll say about it is I enjoyed the last five, ten minutes of that game where you realised that neither side wanted extra time <laughs> yeah. and it became the closest thing I've ever seen to a schools game where it was just, right, neither of us are going to defend, we're just both going to yeah. go for this and make sure that we get a yeah, goal. If you it's, score, it's <laughs> fine. If yeah, we yeah, score, it it was a, it's the first ever example of next goal wins yeah. in the FA Cup time.
1: <laughs> they had to pretend they looked gutted <laughs> as the goal went in. Well, actually, that kind of was why our season unravelled a little bit last year, I think, because we put so much much into that Chelsea replay and then didn't have anything left. Um, I was just going to say thank you to Dave Clark on Twitter for mentioning this um, and pulling this one back So i completely forgotten about it. Um, we lost in uh, the third round of the FA Cup to Lake Norrin in 2010-11 1-0. We lost in the third round of the FA Cup to League One Preston in 14-15 2-0. We went up in both those seasons. We lost to Portsmouth this season 1-0 there in League One. We also went up.
0: It's a great shout. I mean, Norwich's recent record in the FA Cup is atrocious. So they've probably gone out in the third round most of those seasons yeah, anyway. But you know what? It's the first time I've laughed at Norwich conceding a goal um, and I stand by it, to be I honest. I'd still,
2: still like a cup run, though. I know. Well, of course we would. I would like hey, a cup next one. season, next yeah, season. Really nothing really else going on. we mid-table <laughs> next year yeah, yeah. when we've got nothing else to play for.
0: Speaking of the table, let's have a quick look at the table as it stood following that um, draw at Brentford. Uh, Norwich second to Leeds. Sheffield United third. I mean... There's a lot of shape going on there at this stage. When, when people would have looked at it and gone, well, phew, we're only halfway and what have you. So um, there we go. Mm. Says it all. No real major surprises, I suppose. obviously well, QPR and A and ninth. I'd, I'd say look
2: at look at Birmingham QPR and then look at Aston Villa, and it, it shows what you can achieve in in the second half of the season and why the Championship is is great. But it's it's never quite decided, is it? Even halfway through the season. But I mean, you look then at that table and the teams you would have been worried about from Norwich point of view and. It's a bit like the Grand National, wasn't it? How they gradually just fell away at various points, and then you weren't worried about Middlesbrough anymore. Then you weren't worried about Derby. Then you weren't worried about West Brom, and it just came to those three over the last two or three weeks of the season. Spot on. Stay tuned to find out it's what bad. happened. <laughs> Who knows where this is going to end
0: up? Uh, that is uh, number three, part three of five uh, in the bag. I would say so. Uh, next up is our penultimate slot, and uh, we'll be at a familiar. Pink and Show haunt with uh, the second most famous Scottish voice in Norwich behind Lord Mayor Kenny McLean uh, it's just a shame that there's no obvious reason for him to utter the words Graham Dorans I'm sure <laughs> we'll get him out of him in some way uh, uh, so that is on its way but for now a big thank you to, uh, to Chris Gorham anything ever top this season Chris? I went through this
2: whole season saying it won't get any better than this and it did so <laughs> watch this space <laughs> I love it thank you so much for your time really appreciate <laughs> thank you, it you uh,
0: thanks again Steve thanks for uh, your top statage more to come more to come. Thank God, <laughs> more to come. Uh, brilliant. Well, we'll be back in front of you uh, for part four. Uh, in the meantime, um, have a very happy new year. We heard it's a good one.